Hey, good morning, everybody. So good to see you. Welcome online, joining us around the world. We are so glad to have you there. Shout out to my man, Tristan. What's up, man? Good to see you. Hey, Joel. So glad that you're here. So this morning, we are going to be continuing in the series, the second part you uh, just saw on the video there. We're talking about On the Other Side. Uh, last week, Pastor Alex, he talked about um, how we see things through a filter, right? Do you remember that? The filter. Uh, talking about uh, some fancy words, cognitive bias. Uh, not going to get into that. If you want to see it, go back and watch it. Cognitive bias. Talked about reframing our focus. That was kind of the major theme uh, of his message. So last week we talked about the filter, and this week we're going to talk about the fact. The fact. If the title of the series is called On the Other Side... That is an indication that there is something to be on the other side of. And so today we are going to be talking about that fact. And I will just tell you up front that the fact is the mountain. And whoever's texting me, please stop. Okay. So on the other side of the mountain. So I'd like to begin uh, today by um, sharing with you an, an awkward story. And uh, it's awkward because it's my story, and it's kind of embarrassing, and I don't really want to share it. But for the purpose of great spiritual insight, I will share my awkward story with you. So uh, about five years ago, I was <clears throat> sitting on the couch eating a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> with that opening, you know it's just going to go downhill, right? <laughs> yeah, I was sitting on the couch eating a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos, and there was nothing special particularly about this day, and I actually don't remember anything other than the fact uh, that that is what I was doing. And um, so I'm eating this bag of chips, and if you've ever ate uh, tortilla chips of any kind, you are probably familiar with that. They break off quite easily, and they can be really sharp. And so here I am eating this bag, and, and all of a sudden I feel kind of a break happen, and it stabs stabs me in the gums. And uh, I'm like, ah, you know, and uh, of course that wasn't going to deter me from the salty, wonderful flavor. And I continued to eat the whole bag in spite of the cut in my mouth, really thinking nothing of it. And um, so maybe a week later, um, I started to notice uh, this, this cut started to heal in there. And I thought, oh, that's great. You know, it's healing fine, whatever. It really wasn't bothering me. It wasn't a big deal. Um, and then another week goes by, and then I notice that there's a, kind of like a little bump underneath, under, right under here, right underneath my, my front tooth there. This little bump that's kind of forming, and I, and I thought, oh, okay, that's, that's a little strange. It's probably just a part of the process. Another week goes by, that bump gets bigger. And I'm like, hmm, I'm not, I'm not really liking this. So I figure at this point, you know, I don't really like foreign objects in my mouth, so I, I, I'll, go to, I'll go to the dentist and see what this is about. My dentist at the time was, couldn't take me in, so I went to someone local in town just to get it checked out. And uh, so I, I go into the dentist, and uh, <clears throat> the dentist says, oh, oh, there's nothing to worry about. And I'm like, oh, great, you know. And uh, they're like, yeah, it's just like a little skin nodule. Sometimes it happens if the mouth is overcompensating. It just requires a little oral surgery. And I'm like, uh, wait, a little oral surgery. Those two things don't, in my mind, really seem to go together. That seems like a major thing. I was just expecting to go in and say, oh, here's some antibiotics or something, and this thing's going to go away. And he says, a little oral surgery. So, you know, in general in life, I don't really like knives and sharp objects, let alone in my mouth. So I thought, you know what, let's just hold off on that one, and we'll just, just see what happens, basically, right? And I'm, I'm going to exercise my faith. Let's just, let's just see what happens. It wasn't faith at all. <laughs> I didn't want oral surgery. So um, a couple weeks go by, and so, so at this point now, you know, uh, here I am, and um, there's, there's a battle. There's a mountain in front of me. And I'm choosing to run away from this battle and choosing to run away from this mountain because I don't really want to deal with it. So another couple weeks go by, and it's not like so much getting bigger, but it's still, you know, I'm thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And every time I eat something, I feel it kind of rub against my lip, and I'm going, mm. and I'm like, what if Doritos gave me cancer? I never trusted that, those Doritos in the first place. 
What if there's something in that magically delicious formula that gave me cancer and this is cancer in my mouth and I'm just letting it grow here because of indecision and I don't know what to do. And so this, you know, it's crazy thoughts like this start to enter my mind and I'm, and I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, I got to do something about this. So finally I crack under the pressure and I decide to go ahead and I'm, gonna, I'm going to get this thing removed. So they send me to a specialist and... Uh, uh, we, uh, here I am now, I'm in the surgery, and, and it's a different, unfamiliar place that I'm not used to, and he has me under the light, and the surgeon's in my mouth, and I'm like, oh, Lord, please. And um, he's doing something in there, and he goes, wow! And I'm like, whoa, whoa! Right? My mouth is like, stuff. That's not really something you want to hear your surgeon say while he's in your mouth. Wow! And I'm like, wow, wow, what? And uh, he, he says, you didn't even flinch. And I'm like, uh, what do you mean? And he said, we're done. Usually people, they'll, they'll flinch or move or, you know, when it's removed. He said, you didn't even flinch. I'm impressed. And I said, that's it? And he said, yeah, that's it. And I'm thinking, this was the battle I've been running from. <laughs> so I leave the place. It heals fine. And I'm happy to report that it has never grown back. It wasn't cancer. And I'm completely healed of this little thing. That was given to me by a Doritos chip. Why in the world am I telling you that story? I have come to realize in life, many times, the hardest part of the battles that we face are not the battles themselves. The hardest part is deciding to fight the battle in the first place. When we are thinking about climbing the proverbial mountain that we're talking about today, it is, in fact, easier to climb it than it is to decide to climb it in the first place. It's like the F word. Mm. You know the F word? Fasting. I don't know what F word you were thinking of, but if it wasn't fasting, we have a prayer team on standby right now. <laughs> fasting, right? It's like, oh, hallelujah, we're going to call a fast. And I'm like, oh, man. It's going to be a three-day fast. Seven days before, I'm already dreading it. I'm like counting down the days, like, should I fast? Should I not fast? How can I get out of this? Maybe I can do a partial fast. Maybe I'll just fast my phone instead of fasting food because I really like food. I really don't want to fast. So here I am the whole week leading up to the thing, torturing myself about how I don't want to fast. And then, then the fast comes, and the fast is three days. And what happens? I get closer to Jesus. I enjoy it. My spiritual life is increased. And by the end of it, I'm like, what did, why did I just waste all that time fighting something in my mind when it was actually good for me? And while we're on the topic of fasting, maybe let's talk about food and exercise. There's another F word, food. Um, you know, last week, uh, Pastor Alex made the joke, if you uh, watched the service, about, uh, he said, COVID-15. That wasn't a mistake. He was talking about the 15 pounds that everybody has really put on during this time. Pastor Alex, not funny, man. That's real. I'm struggling with that myself, uh, COVID-15. Uh, so, 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 you know, exercise. That, I don't know about you, but when I start, you know, spring rolls around and I'm like, okay, it's time to get back, you know, in peak optimal shape. I spend more time thinking and talking myself out of exercise than it would simply take to just go and exercise. By the time I, I finish exercising, I would be done, but I spend weeks thinking about it and leading up to it incrementally. Okay, I'm going to get ready. I'm going to exercise. All right, I'll get ready next week. I start planning it out, and by the time I get to it, it's so long. So, so talking about the mountains in our lives, we start to see that a pattern starts to form. We spend a much greater amount of time talking about and thinking about the problems than we actually spend engaged with them. Cute baby over there, by the way. In many cases, instead of running towards the challenges with God confidence, we overthink our situations to the point of immobility and indecision. We think, and 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 we think about it, 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 and then do nothing. I came up with a term, and I'm quite proud of this. I call it analysis paralysis. It's good, eh, rhymes? Analysis paralysis. You think about something so much that it ends up paralyzing you from taking any action. 
Overthinking, truly, overthinking is a warning sign that you've become too reliant upon your own intellect. That is what it's showing you. When you are overthinking something and you're thinking about it, it's showing you that you have developed a dependency on your own intellect. We have to remember Proverbs 3, 5, 6, right? It tells us the scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. So God's not saying don't use your brain. That's why he put it there. But the point is, is that God never intended us to be able to function without relying upon him as well, right? Overthinking and overanalyzing, in fact, are a sign of pride because they're filling the place in which the Holy Spirit is supposed to move. So it's a little harsh, but overthinking actually quenches the Spirit, right? It's quenching the place that that, that, that Holy Spirit is meant to move in. Today I'd like to speak to anybody who has been feeling stuck. Stuck in place. If you've been feeling stuck, this message is for you. Our lives can become stuck for many different reasons. But, you know, I thought pretty deeply about this uh, as, as much as I could. And when boiling them all down, I really found that um, you can boil it down to two main categories. Now, when I'm talking about our, the decisions we make, okay, there's things that happen outside our life that we don't have control of, like coronavirus, right? So I'm not talking about that stuff. We're talking about the things that we are controlling, like our decisions. So really two main categories I've discovered of why we become stuck in place. We become stuck in place either because of fear or because of disappointment. Fear or disappointment. You've heard a lot of teaching about fear if you've been in church for any amount of time. Um, But today I would like to focus on disappointment, being stuck because of disappointment. 2020 had a lot of opportunities for disappointment. I don't have to tell anybody that or prove that to you in any capacity. Man, did 2020 have a lot of opportunities for disappointment, right? And if we don't learn from that, and do something differently, 2020 can easily follow the same trend. But I want to tell you, stop looking back because you're not going that way. Stop looking back! You're not going that way! We're here to set a new trend, right? A new trend, a trend of hope, a trend of faith, a trend of success, a trend of happiness, a trend of victory. And today, I believe, I, I truly believe, If you will receive it, today marks a day of turnaround. Amen? Amen? Just say that. Say, today marks a day of turnaround for me. Amen. I believe that online. You say that. Today marks a day of turnaround for me. Expect it. Expect it. So if we can go, if we can go a little deeper here, because to really uncover this, we're going to need to go a little bit deeper. Okay? You guys okay with that? All right. Get the shovel, he says. Amen. Here we go. Let's go a little bit deeper. Okay. The reason that we're talking about disappointment is because repetitive disappointment, there's a difference, repetitive disappointment, disappointed again and again, I tried and it didn't work, I wanted to succeed and it failed, I believed in them and they let me down, I gave it my all and my all wasn't enough, repetitive, repetitive, repetitive disappointment over and over Repetitive disappointment is the catalyst for self-pity. Okay? Repetitive disappointment is the catalyst for self-pity. And it's self-pity that will keep us stuck in place. Now, you may say, oh, self-pity. Hey, hey, uh, wife, hey, husband, there's a great message on the line right now that you need to hear. Don't do that. The fact that you're watching, the fact that you're here, I believe it's for you. And it's for me. So don't go get somebody else. You keep listening because the fact that you're here is a coincidence. Now, self-pity. I'll say it with a smile, but it's a nasty word. 
Self-pity is dangerous. It is dangerous. And the reason that it's dangerous is that when you have, when you have uh, um, so remember, repetitive disappointment, right? Self-pity is when repetitive disappointment creates a space for deception to creep in and convince you that self-reliance is a credible alternative to God confidence. You get that? See what happens, right? You don't see it coming. And of course we say in our mind, yeah, right, right? But that's what self-pity does. It, 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 repetitive disappointment, right? It's looking to create a gap, a little gap in your life for deception to come through and say self-reliance. That's a credible alternative to God confidence. How many times have you been let down and you've been like doing this God faith thing for a long time now and that doesn't seem to be going too well. I think you need to take a step back for a minute and take charge of your life. That seems like a great idea, right? That's what the world would say, right? It's that little, little, little space that it tries to get in there. And it's interesting whenever you hear about self-pity, you usually hear the term wallowing, right? You always, you always do that. When I was looking up this and when I was studying, it's like you type in self-pity and right there there's wallowing, 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 right? And it's like, what's with this word wallowing? It's because self-pity is a pool of misery where you swim around constantly reopening and rehearsing the wounds of the past almost to the point of drowning in it. It's weird. It's like, you're, you, you know, you have a wound, and it starts to heal. But because of deception and lies and other things, you decide, you know, I thought I was over that, but I'm just going to open that bag up again to see what it feels like. Right. Oh, yeah, that betrayal, that really burns. I need, to, I need to reopen that. I need to rethink about that again. Oh, man, I can't believe what they did to me. Woo! And the weird, twisted thing about it is that it's this weird place where f- it feels good to feel bad. Isn't that weird? But you know exactly what I'm talking about. It just feels so good to think about how bad they hurt you and how mad you are. And if you could do it again, oh, I'd do it differently this time. I'd like to see them try that again, Right? You're just rehearsing it, and you're nursing it. And it feels good. Amen. Self-pity says things like, the world is against you. Things just never go your way. They always seem to go somebody else's way, but never my way. People abandon me. I've been good to people, man. I've been good. I've given it all, and they just abandoned me. You know, they betrayed me. Or both? God, have you forgotten about me? And me of all people? I don't deserve this. Poor me. Poor me. But it comes out in different ways. God, I've served you my whole life. Why do I deserve this? You said that, and you could go pick any scripture where God says anything about being good, about, you know, and and it's just like, God, you said, you said, you said. Where is it, God? And oftentimes, people internally say, you know what? It's better just to quit. Me and Jesus, were cool, but beyond that, people, not worth it. I'm just going to be Christian on my onesie. And the rest of the world, figure it out. I'm not, I'm not saying you're saying that. You know, I'm just saying, maybe. That's why so much pressure It's being put on your mind, right? There's pressure. The pressure has come as an assignment, a demonic assignment, truly, against your mind to convince you out of using the gifts and ability God has already put in you because the only way for you to fail is if you decide to quit. The only way you will fail is if Satan can convince you to quit. He doesn't have the power to make you fail. He has the power to suggest something to you. You have the power to decide what you do with that suggestion. So all these circumstances and things are happening all around you. Why? To try to convince you out of your destiny. Self-pity comes to convince us that it's less painful to ignore the mountain than to face being disappointed one more time just so tired of being disappointed. You know what? I'm just going to close my eyes and pretend the mountain's not there. Oral surgery? Forget it. 
I could live with a bump in my mouth. No big deal. The truth is, however, that staying in a season that you don't belong in may cost you the inability to move forward in the future. What began as a pause can turn into paralysis. Right? What began as a pause can turn into paralysis, being stuck, being stuck in place. This is because self-pity creates a life paralysis where you become trapped between the disappointments of the past and the fear of the future. You see that, right? On one side, you have all the, t- the repetitive disappointment of the past, so that's coming against you. And because of that, you've learned something, unfortunately, in the wrong sense, and now you have fear on the other side. So it's like, uh, 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 right? Life paralysis. Now, the truth is there are some battles in life that you can avoid without much consequence. There are some times when you'll be able to skirt around the side of a hill here and there and be able to get by, but there comes a time where climbing a mountain is the only way forward. There comes a time when climbing the mountain is the only way forward. So, so what can we do about this, right? What can we do about it? Now, you, uh, you may remember last week that Pastor Alex was talking, just like uh, as we opened, talking about thoughts, right? And specifically about neural pathways, which I find incredibly interesting. I, I love science stuff. You know, I, I love, uh, I like watching uh, doctor-related uh, movies and things like that. It's, I find it fascinating. Um, so talking about neural pathways, in that by thinking something once, it becomes easier to think that same thing again. Do you guys remember that? That's how our mind works. The, when we begin to think something, if you could picture it, it's like digging a trench or a ditch. And the more you think it, the deeper the ditch gets. So that when your life encounters a certain situation, your thoughts are going to go right to the place where it's used to going. Okay? Now, I found the word fascinating. Um, <clears throat> but the Bible already has a word for that. And it's been around long before we knew what neural pathways even were. It's called meditation. Meditation. Now, meditation isn't some hooky-spooky exercise where you get a bunch of incense in a dark room, cross your legs, and you know, if, if you're not familiar with meditation, and, and, um, and, and you know, if you've been around a church a while, you kind of maybe have, have a thing, but a lot of people hear med- meditation. Ooh, I don't know about that. No. Okay, let's, let's make it simple for you, okay? Meditation is thinking with focus. It's thinking with focus. It's recollecting with repetition, right? Thinking with focus, recollecting with repetition. And that's why the Bible says, you know, meditate on the word day and night. Meditate, yeah, meditate on the word day and night so that, what, eventually, your way will be prosperous. It will be successful. Meditate on the word when? Day and night. Only during Sundays? No. Day and night. Only when the coronavirus ends? No. Definitely no. Day, maybe double day on that one. And night, especially night. Can I give you a life tip? Go to bed earlier than 10 o'clock. That's when the problems come in the night to torment you. Wake up earlier. Go to bed earlier. I promise that will sort some stuff out right there. I think God likes to speak early in the morning anyways. That's just my experience. So give that a try and uh, let me know in uh, an email or comments or something. Okay. (laughs) I'd like to um, talk about what meditation looks like in a practical sense. Or, or a practical application, so, so we can apply it to the particular issue of self-pity, okay? So you could call this premeditated blessing. You've heard some other premeditated words. <laughs> We're calling this premeditated blessing. In my life, I have what I call my anchors of gratitude. Anchors of gratitude. 
And um, my anchor is these aren't little things. These are, uh, or, or little moments, be, but these are times when, when God has really shown up that I, that I cling to, you know, where, when I could look back and God has really done something for me, you know, where, where I was believing for something or, or that's what my anchors of gratitude are. My wife is one of those anchors, Amen. right? Amen. He must know Kylie. Yeah. My, my, my children, yeah, my children, right, are, one of, are, are those anchors. The miraculous story of their birth, if you know some of it, or the joy that they bring me day after day amongst some of the headaches, are my anchor. The story of, of how when my wife and I were believing for a house in an impossible, seemingly impossible situation, like we could never have our own house, especially with the amount of debt that we had at that time, seemed impossible, but yet God came through in a huge way. It's my anchor. Our, our, our businesses and our businesses flourishing, they're my anchor. All the amazing things that God has done in my life, these are my anchors of gratitude. Here's the important part. Gratitude is the action of building God confidence. And God confidence is the only thing that will keep you anchored. Think about rock climbing, if you've ever been rock climbing, or we're talking about on the, other, on the other side, right? The mountain. When you are mountain climbing, if you've ever done that, or rock climbing, right, you have a harness, and you have a series of what are called anchor points, right? You're attaching yourself to the anchor point. Why? An anchor is what prevents you from falling. An anchor is what prevents you from falling. And like repetitive disappointment is the catalyst for self-pity, repetitive gratitude, or intentionally focusing on the good that God has done in the past, meditating is the catalyst for God confidence. Okay? Here's, a, here's kind of a side note. The Bible tells us to renew our mind, right? Renew our mind to, to the word of God. You see, self-pity, it can't take root in a freshly renewed mind. It's impossible. Here's why. Self-pity needs something that's dying to thrive and grow in. It needs the flesh to grow in. Self-pity can't take root in a freshly renewed mind it only grows in something that's dying, in the flesh. That's why you will find, and I'm not trying to make, you know, hear me out on this because I'm hearing this myself. God always does that. Whenever you're teaching something, you're exposing your own heart, okay? But this is true. That's why you find self-pity and a lack of meditation in the Word in the same place. There's different levels. I'm not saying we're all just deep, you know, drowning in self-pity. But I have yet to see a place where there isn't self-pity and a lack of meditation in the Word. So, okay, God confidence, in contrast, is the inward reality that God is with you. God is with me. It's not just like a faith statement. You know it. God is with me. And it's the fuel that pushes your life forward, and it's the anchor that keeps you from falling. I don't have to have all the answers when I know God is with me, because he knows all the answers. The only thing that I have to know is God is with me. It, it, now, if I don't know God is with me, ooh, ooh, I need to think about this some more. Let me think about this some more. Hmm, ponder, ponder, ponder. Think, 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 because I don't know God's with me. I'm not saying don't be wise, okay? Don't hear that, right? There's a reason that it says wait on the Lord. God confidence is what empowers you to face the mountains in, in your life. Uh, when my wife and I first moved to the area, we lived down by the um, Niagara River. And uh, what I found fascinating about the, the Niagara River was how quickly it moved, yeah, you know, I'd been around other rivers, and, but there was just 
I'm like, wow, this, this guy's really moving. I used to walk my dog down there in the morning. And um, it's funny because you would watch a boat that was maybe crossing from the Canadian to the American side, and it would begin on the shore, like, in one spot. And it's just, it's aimed to go straight across, but the current makes it end up, like, way down there. And I'm like, wow, that's something, right? And, of course, we know that the current eventually leads down to the falls, right? There's something that's pulling it, huh? Yes, yes. Self-pity is like a current that is pulling you towards disaster. It's like a current that's pulling you towards the fall, right? But an anchor, God confidence, an anchor is what keeps you in place when the forces are against you. Your anchors of gratitude are what will keep you steady through the winds and through the storms and through the currents and through the battles and whatever else comes against you, it keeps you steady in those tumultuous times. And that's why, you know, these anchors that we're talking about, this is something that you honestly want to go do in your own time and put together a list. Because when you're fighting a storm, that is not the time to be gathering a list of your anchors. You need to deploy that sucker right? You need to cast that thing overboard and get a firm uh, a grasp so, so you can stand against these things. When you're, when you're in the middle of a fight, that's the worst time to prepare for a fight, right? If you're like boxing, you know, probably not in your like title weight bout is not the best time to be training for that fight, right? <laughs> you see, our, our mind is like a cup, okay? Our heart it's like a cup. Your heart, your mind, they were created by God to be filled with good things, right? That's what, that's what God's intention was. Your anchors of gratitude, you're remembering, you're meditating on the truth about just how good God has been to you. Those will keep your cup full so that there's no room for self-pity to exist, right? What's, I, I always find that there's two people when it comes to filling your gas tank. There's like the refiller, which is like, it gets to like a quarter down and like, I got to put gas in my tank. And then there's like the person who straddles the E-line. They'll let that sucker go all the way down and you're like, man, you need to get gas. And they're like, oh, don't worry, the factory, they put that line there, but it actually goes like 10% more. So it's like, and you're like, man, you got to get gas or we're going to be stuck on the side of the road here, right? It's a funny thing, but the way to stop being empty is to refill often. <laughs> Daily, right? It seems so simple saying it, but... These are things that we all need to be reminded of. If you've been in a stuck place, okay, sometimes I hear people and I talk to, you know, people not so much in person these days, but maybe by email and, and you know, if I'm trying to encourage them and they're just like, you know, oh, my faith isn't working and, you know, I don't know, it feels like I'm broken and, you know, your, your faith, your faith isn't broken. You're not broken, broken. It's just that, you know, your cup has just been full of the wrong thing. That's it. As simple as that. As simple as that. Please say this with me. Say, Lord, fill my cup with gratitude. Lord, fill my cup with gratitude. Lord, fill, fill our hearts with gratitude. The, the bottom line is the more, the more God-aware you become, the more self-dependent you will be. All right? I know it, it sounds easier said than done, but that's just the truth. The more God-aware you become, the less self-dependent you will be. Yeah, now, you know, somewhere along the line, we have, many of us have, bought into this lie that if life isn't perfect, it can't be pleasant. If life isn't perfect, can't enjoy it. I need it to be Spot on. So I'm going to work and work and work to try and make everything perfect, and when it's perfect, then I will enjoy it. If your life needs to be perfect to be pleasant, you're chasing the wrong thing. Life will continually disappoint you if you keep chasing perfect instead of chasing peace. And I will explain what I mean. We know that Jesus said, in this world, you will have yeah, Garth, that's right. Tribulation, right? Troubles. 
be of good cheer. He's overcome them. But we know there's going to be troubles. So right there, if you're expecting perfect, you're like, okay, need a little reframing, right? Your goal, our goal, honestly, should be peace. Not perfect. And here's why. When your life is in a state of peace, okay, peace of mind, peace of heart, peace of life, that is when you are empowered to fulfill the will of God, whatever God is calling you to do, to, calling you to do okay? The distractions in your life, the attacks are not designed to steal your things. They are designed to steal your peace. The devil attacks what's on the outside because he wants what's on the inside. Very important distinction. See, many times we think, oh, the kingdom of darkness is out to get my stuff. Well, he might be if your peace is in your stuff. Because when he takes your stuff, he gets your peace. Right? Your peace is your center. And everything you do comes out of that center. Turmoil or peace. The peace of Christ, which is only available, right? When you, when you made Jesus your Savior and Lord, Amen. you were given a new spirit, a new spirit person, new man, new woman in Christ, and that enabled you to have the peace of God, right, in your life. That is the foundation which all the works of Christ in your life will rest upon, the peace. John 14, 27, Jesus said himself, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give to you not as the world gives to you, right? And then he, he, he goes on to say, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The thing is, is that you cannot properly function the way that God designed you to when your peace is taken from you. You can't. Now, you might be saying, dude, why are you preaching a different message? We were just talking about this thing, and now you're like over here talking about peace? You know what the devil likes to do? He likes to start a fire over there so he can steal from you over here when you're distracted. Self-pity paralyzes you so that your peace can be taken from you. Remember, trapped between the disappointments of the past and the fears of the future, you become stuck because it's hard to take the peace of someone who's always moving forward with God. Can't do it. But if you can just slow them down, little by little over time, test and trial and tribulation, you chip away at their God confidence, you get them offended, little by little, disappointment after disappointment, they, their mind starts to turn, the things that they love, they now hate, they're easily offended in all things, all of a sudden they stop because they become paralyzed, and it's that moment where the kingdom of darkness says, yes, this is the long play. This is what I've been waiting for. See, they think that I'm after their stuff and this and that. No, I'm after their peace. Because if I can get their peace, then I got everything. And what comes next after that is the spirit of quit. I can't do this anymore. I'm so tired of this. I'm just going to quit. I told you, self-pity is dangerous. Self-pity is dangerous. Now, let's talk about the facts versus the truth. Yes, the fact is we have a mountain to face. We all have mountains to climb, and we already know that, right? We already know that. We all have mountains to climb. But the truth is that you do not have to climb them alone. You do not have to climb them alone. The Bible, God said, he will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you think differently, stop it. And if anybody tells you differently, they're a liar. They're a liar if they tell you differently. God says he will never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't say you could never leave or forsake him, though. But he said he will never leave you or forsake you. The truth is that even when it doesn't seem possible, it will work out for your good. 
The Bible says all things work together for good towards those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If you didn't love God, you wouldn't be here. If you didn't love God or want a relationship with God, you wouldn't even be watching. So don't even let the devil try and come in there and say, well, do I really love God? I don't know. Maybe I'm just searching out God. No, okay? The fact that you're seeking is an indication that there's a relationship. You're going after God, okay? So just put any, anything else to rest and know that all things will work together for your good if you just don't quit. Just don't quit. The truth is, you likely don't have all the answers. Neither do I. Perfect. We know the one who does. Right? Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we just say, yeah, God knows all things. Yeah, that's great. Here's the other part to it. God wants us to have the answer to. We're not fighting against God. Sometimes we get this idea that we're like fighting God to get the answer. You know, God, just give me the answer. You know, no, God wants you to have the answer. God wants us to have the answer. The Bible tells us in all our ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Let me give you the Tim interpretation of that scripture. Life is a maze, man. It's crazy and it's a maze and it's like, it's a really difficult maze. But scripture says, if you acknowledge him in all of his ways, he will make your path straight. What does that mean? He will guide you from the entryway to the exit of that maze. He will take that crooked, warped, weird thing that there's no way for you to navigate alone and he will guide you through that thing. We know that life isn't a straight line from point A to point B. We know it's a maze. You lived a couple years, you know that. But the point is that God says, when you acknowledge him in all your ways, you put him first, you put him where he belongs in your life, you're meditating on the word, you know, you're doing all the things that you know to do. God says, I'm gonna be with you and I'm going to make your path straight. I'm going to guide you along that narrow path that the Bible talks about. The truth is that you do not need to be self-reliant. Because Christ is your strength. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. Now, what's, what's, what's really interesting about that scripture, if you, if you look at the New King James, it says you can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. It doesn't say who. What does that mean? What does Christ mean? The anointing, right? It's referring to the, the person of Christ, and his anointing. In other words, you are empowered. It's not just like this like word that he gives and you're supposed to go, okay, yeah, I can do all things through Christ. No, it means there is a literal, tangible empowerment that comes upon your life through Christ. So you don't need to be self-reliant because when Christ is in there, there is a power that comes upon your life to do things differently than your mind wants to tell you to do them. So what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? I'm not just going to leave you hanging. <laughs> I don't know. See you next week. Um, there's a story in the Bible. I'm, I'm going to just uh, talk about it quickly. We're not really going to get into it too much, but it's in 2 Kings, and it talks about four lepers that were um, sitting at the gate of, of, of a city one of the Israelite cities. And these four lepers were there. And if you know lepers, right, they're basically waiting to die. And um, there's, there's a lot to this story that talks about there, there's a, uh, an army that's encamped against Israel and they're ready to siege the Israelites. And they, there's a great famine. And, you know, the Israelites are almost ready to give up at this point. And God sends a, a, a sound out to the, to the opposing army, they run away, and long story short, the Israelites go out and they get all the food and the plunder, and it's this miraculous thing. But the point I just want to focus in on is these four lepers are sitting at this gate one day, and then they have this revelation. Why, this is their, their words, why sit we here and die? Why are we just sitting here waiting to die? You know what they're saying? If I'm going to go out, I'm going to fight. 
you need to get mad. Maybe you haven't been mad in a long time. You need to get mad at the enemy and stop letting him mess with your life. Stop letting him lie to you. Stop letting him belittle you. Stop letting him keep you paralyzed. Stop blaming other people because he is after your peace. You need to rise up on the inside and said, I had enough, 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 enough of this. Enough of this, right? You need faith to rise up on the inside of you and said, I had enough. I'm not going to just sit here and die and let my problems overwhelm me. I'm not just going to take this, you know, Satan's here to pronounce all these things over our lives, all these diagnoses and all these things. Oh, Tim, you might have cancer in your mouth. You better. I don't receive. Yeah, he's 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 the father of lies. Not just a liar. He invented lying. Right? Let a fight rise up in you. Amen. Let a fight rise up in you. How long do you have to put up with it? As long as you're willing to. As long as you're willing to. Here's the most important part. Transitioning out of a stuck place, transitioning out of being stuck in place, begins with repentance. It begins with repentance. And here's why. Self-pity is like a tar pit, or maybe like quicksand, if you want to think of it kind of that way. If you picture yourself in quick, quicksand's a real thing. I don't know if you knew that, right? Uh, uh, you know, you're in quicksand out in the desert or wherever quicksand is, the jungle, right? Um, By the time you realize that you're stuck, it's too late to get out on your own power. That's the problem with self-pity, right? If you know anything about quicksand, once you're in there, every little movement, what does it do? Huh? Paralyzed. Paralyzed. But, but, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in his name. He always makes a way and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, when we talk about repentance as as we come to a close, repentance is an amazing thing. It really is. And I want you to, and I want, I'm going to tell you, and and I want, and I want to help you see something maybe, maybe that you haven't seen it from this light before. Maybe you have. Many people see repentance backwards, okay? What they see is an angry God or, or, you know, we've done something against God. They see God refusing to help us until we agonizingly apologize with the hopes that he comes to rescue us. Or, you know, they simply see we've messed up. Let me put it in simpler terms. We've messed up, and until I go fix it, God's not going to help me, right? Okay, picture the quicksand. You're sinking in the quicksand. You realize you're in the quicksand. Here's the thing. The reason we're talking about repetitive disappointment and self-pity, the only thing we can do is take the blinders off to begin with. And then you realize, oh my goodness, I'm in quicksand. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. What repentance means is God has had his hand the whole time next to you outside of that sand pit. And what you've done and what I've done is we've taken our hand and held it to ourselves in our own strength and our own power as we've sunk and sunk and sunk and sunk and sunk and sunk not realizing that we're even sinking. And God has been waiting for us. Repentance just turns our heart back to God and says, God, will you save me again? Right? All repentance is doing, we're reaching back out to God. God has not abandoned us. He hasn't abandoned us. He is waiting for us. Repentance is simply us turning back to him 
and saying, what was I doing? And then God finally says, son, daughter, welcome back. And he pulls us out of that pit. I'm going to pray just as we close here. And um, I'm not going to ask you to necessarily repeat after me, but if this is something that you've identified in your own life, then, you know, just take a minute in your, in your, own, in your own heart, you know, and just uh, in a sincere moment, and you can just pray this kind of along, you know, with me in, in, in your heart. Father God, we love you. And how much more, Father, you love us. We come to you today, God, around the world, and we say, Lord, we're sorry. We're sorry for allowing deception to creep in and convince us, God, that our self-reliance is somehow a credible replacement for God confidence. Lord, we're reaching out to you again. We're taking your hand and we know that we can trust you, Father. You said you are faithful and you are just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, we want to walk in your light. We want to feel good again. We want to be happy. We want to walk in confidence. We want to walk in faith. We want the days of faith back, Father. We've been weary and we've been tired and in a dry place, in sinking sand. And God, we want the life back. We want the light back. We want the color. We want the beauty. We want to laugh. We want to sing. We want to praise. Forgive us, Father. And we know right now that, that we simply have to ask and identify it. We know that you're going to do it. Today, in the name of Jesus, this is our turning point. This is our turning point. We declare that in the name of Jesus. Today is my turning point. I thank you, Father, for each person who has prayed along with me, God. Bless them. Bless their lives. Increase them, Father. Speak to them today, God. Let your spirit of peace fall upon their heart and upon their home and upon everything they touch, Father. I just declare that they would live out of your peace just as you have given them. I declare in the name of Jesus a return of peace to your life right now. In Jesus' name, I speak peace over your life. I speak peace over your heart. I speak peace over your family. I speak peace in Jesus' name. Peace, be still. Peace, says the word of God to that storm. Peace, be still in Jesus' name. Father, we receive it. And we're coming out to walk with you on the water today in Jesus' name. God bless you. Bless you all online. And have a wonderful day.